0: What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop them. Have you gotten
1: Rommel yet? So, if y'all welcome on into the Govals 24 7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here, recording this on a Tuesday evening in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope everything in your life is going well i hope everything is going uh, okay with the weather right now depending on where you are if you're here locally there's been a lot of school closings and whatnot for tomorrow we've had a tremendous amount of water uh, come into this area and there's also a lot of bad weather in other parts of the country so wherever you are i hope you're safe i hope you're doing well i hope everything in your life is going the way you want it to go here to talk tennessee basketball in this episode now tennessee did pick up a transfer portal 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 commitment today from a defensive back, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the week. Didn't want to gloss over that, the fact that Jalen McMurray, the cornerback from Temple, has decided to matriculate his way to Tennessee. Didn't want to gloss over that, didn't want to ignore it. However, we are overdue for a basketball podcast for the fifth-ranked Tennessee volunteers who are on the road all week long. The Vols opened SEC play with a big old Molly Wappin of Ole Miss uh, 90-64 to on Saturday there at Food City Center, Thompson Bowling Arena, whatever you want to call it. I'm over that debate already. And now the Vols go on the road this week, play at Mississippi State in the hump on Wednesday, and then down to the Stegosaurus Stegman Coliseum on Saturday to face Georgia a place where Tennessee almost never seems to play well in basketball down there in Athens uh, but I will not be there at the game in Starkville on Wednesday night but uh Ben McKee will and Ben McKee has not left for Starkville yet he is here uh, in the Knoxville area at his undisclosed location for his home Ben what's going on man
0: not a whole lot busy week ahead going down to Starkville first thing in the morning and then you and I will be off to Athens. Truly first thing in the morning yeah. on Saturday for that noon tip off this weekend. A, a interesting week ahead for Tennessee basketball. Uh two teams in Mississippi State and Georgia that Tennessee is certainly better than, but it is very hard to win on the road in college basketball. And it has especially become difficult to win on the road in the SEC uh, because the league has elevated so tremendously over the last several seasons, especially since Rick Barnes got into the league. Um, Greg Sankey and guys like Rick Barnes and John Calipari and and Bruce Pearl and so on and so forth have have done a great job of elevating the league. And and Tennessee basketball has always been important in in Knoxville. It's not the breadwinner, of course. Uh, Football is king in Knoxville, but people still care about basketball and, and always have. Uh, Same obviously goes for Kentucky and some other schools who have had success in the past. But I think that what Rick Barnes and and some of those other schools that I mentioned, what what they've been able to do, I think it's made everybody else care about basketball as well. And now I think you're seeing across the league, because there is so much money in college athletics, regardless of of what the leadership in college athletics wants you to believe. Because there's so much money, you don't have to pick and choose this sport or that sport. There's really only one school in the league that is still picking sports, uh, Vanderbilt. And maybe Missouri also. Missouri hasn't completely gone all in on baseball yet. but uh, Yeah, they're, currently... they're definitely lagging behind there. And, and I like Karis Jackson, the, the Memphis coach yeah. that they hired. I, I think uh, he's going to do great things there. Uh, he, he has the potential – To be their Tony Vitello. And now I I don't know that Missouri baseball is a sleeping giant like Tennessee is or was because the resources are different in Knoxville and the state of Tennessee when it comes to baseball. Uh, But I I think he's going to do great things there. I know Tony Vitello is very, very high on Karis uh, Jackson as as well. But my point is outside of Missouri and, and Vanderbilt, pretty much every school in the league has gone all in on every single sport in football, men's basketball, and, and baseball. And I think that's because there's so much money in the conference now. And, I mean, heck, you're even seeing – I mean, look how SEC women's basketball has elevated. Look, look at SEC softball. Mm-hmm. It's it's just – there's so many resources and, and money that you've seen the league really take off, SEC basketball really take off these last couple of years. It was always there for a stretch like Kentucky and, and then maybe a team or two that that could maybe – Challenge Kentucky yeah, this year. Yeah, I mean or, or Arkansas.
1: Arkansas has been right. really hot yes. at times.
0: Arkansas has a great basketball history as well. Um, but now it's no longer just Kentucky and maybe another school or two here and there. Now it's it's. I mean, it's four or five deep at the top every single year, and uh, really the the floor, the bottom of the league has really been raised. So going back to my original point, it, it's really hard to to win in this league. And uh, although. Tennessee is better than Mississippi State and, and better than a Mike White led Georgia team. Uh, it, it's going to be significant challenges just because uh, again against these type of athletes that have now been recruited to the league, you you don't really have any cakewalks anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and plus there, there's also the fact that in, in Tennessee, you've noticed this more more and more, right? Like Ben, obviously you go on the road, you know, I go on the road. We we've seen Tennessee play in all these gyms throughout the country. And Tennessee is becoming a brand that's up there high enough in the polls that it becomes like a big deal when Tennessee's in town. Now, I'm not going to split hairs here. It's not the same as like when Kentucky's in town. That's a different vibe throughout most of this league. But But Tennessee's getting to a place where when Tennessee goes somewhere in basketball, like students who only go to a few games, they're going to that one. Right, like fans who want to come drive in from different parts of the state, because there's parts in this league where it's kind of hard to get to some of these schools for week for week for uh you know midweek games, so they only do it a couple times per year. Fans that other you know maybe a few hours away, they'll come in for this one. Like it's an event now when Tennessee goes somewhere, and Tennessee was picked to win this league. Tennessee is ranked the highest team in this league right now. It's going to be a big deal every time Tennessee goes on the road, and not just in places like you know, Athens, where they hate Tennessee and everything because it's a border rival and all these other things. Uh, obviously, Mississippi's a border rival, too. But y- you go down there, and the hump is not a place where it's always a great atmosphere, but at times it is. And that's a dangerous basketball team because of it, it does a couple things differently, right? It's got some of that traditional size. It's very physically tough. And, and in that little arena there... I've been there when that place has, has has been bumping. I've been there when the when when the humpy got bumpy. Like it gets loud in there sometimes, and I think I've also been there where it's kind of been like a few thousand people and half of them were Tennessee fans. So I've seen it go both ways. I think they'll probably kind of you know kind of circle the wagons here for this one. There will be plenty of orange there, Ben, but it's going to be a hostile road environment. It is. I mean, there's going to be tons of uh, of Tennessee fans in Athens too later in the week. We know that that always is the case. But I'm really fascinated to see what this crowd's going to look like in this game because that that could change things quite a bit.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's going to be a great crowd on Wednesday night. Uh, Mississippi State fans have have really bought into Chris Jans, and rightfully so. He he is for those who do not follow college basketball, uh, hardcore or super in depth. Uh, Chris Jans is regarded as a, a terrific mm-hmm. X's and O's coach. Yes, and uh, I, I was actually—I don't think he'll mind me sharing this—but I was actually speaking to Rick Barnes after practice today, and uh, asked him what he thought of Chris Jans. And and first thing he said was about how great of a person Chris Jans is, and I, I think that is permeated throughout the Starkville community. Uh, Starkville is is truly a college town, yes. not a college city. But it it is a college town, and town may be a kind word uh, to to use. A, it, a borough, very, a
1: borough, a, a
0: village. Well, uh, I don't know what it's a borough of. Just out in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. But, well,
1: uh, well, like a village or like you know town. Yeah. Somewhere in between hamlet, village and town. Uh, hamlet. I don't know what we would say. Yeah.
0: But and look, I I don't at all say that to be uh, disrespectful to the city of Starkville. This this will be my third time. I went for baseball two years ago. Uh, and I went last year to the hump for for Tennessee basketball at, at state and uh, people are very nice, as you would expect in the south. And uh, the food is good, which I deeply care uh-huh. about. They, they have a uh, at one of the restaurants, uh, it's kind of a newer restaurant, it's kind of like a a, a pizza bar. Um, and I, I would absolutely say the name of it, I just do not know the name. I'll over. shout out. I'll
1: shout out Strange Brew Coffee though. It's one of my favorite places in the league. You oh, know, in a, in a place where I, I'm I, making sure that you get the coffee, the Jamaican coffee they make that my wife loves so much, and I get every time I go to Starkville for her. So you will be doing that, or I will be getting yelled
0: at. So please do that. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm surprised that it took ten minutes into the podcast for you to remind me. I love Strange Brew. How many times I you, love you Strange Brew up. Coffee. I love it. I'm, I'm excited to check it out myself. But th- there's this pizza that that they have i i can see the restaurant i just don't know the name of it off the top of my head and uh it it is a a cheese pizza with honey in it it's a cheese pizza and they bake locally sourced honey into it and it's probably my favorite pizza i've ever had i love cheese pizza and i love honey uh and you combine the two and it is so fresh and 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 Tasty. I, I can't wait to have that. Well, in. I mean,
1: I, I think I, I, I can't say anything about the size of a town, Ben, because my te- technically what's my hometown, like where I'm from, technically, I was raised a lot, a lot in Knoxville, but uh, it, it's technically a town of like 10, like, like. A thousand and fifty people, or something like that, like less than eleven hundred people up there in Mainerville, technically. So, I can't say anything about the size of a town. Like, there's that's, that's I know where I'm from, basically. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it in any kind of bad way, but it, it's a different kind of place. It uh, is, it, it's a neat kind they, of place. They
0: live and die by Mississippi State yes. athletics. And, uh, my original point was that Mississippi State fans are, are all in on Chris Jans and, and rightfully so. Uh, he's an excellent basketball coach. Seems to be a great person. Uh has really taken to that community. So he's an easy person to root for. And then yeah, they haven't had a tremendous amount of success. They they didn't go do what Dennis Gates did at Missouri in year one. Um, uh, but he he's he's a really, really solid coach. And as I think he gets more of his players in there and the Tolu Smiths and, and the DJ Jeffries move on. They're talented players, but not necessarily his players that he recruited. Once he gets more of of his guys on that roster from top to bottom, I, they're they're going to be a force, and he's going to win there. So, uh, because Mississippi State fans are, are all in on Chris Jans, uh, I'm I'm expecting it to to be a pretty raucous crowd and, and mostly full. Uh, I I would be surprised if it, if it's not a pretty full Humphrey Coliseum and um, making a pretty good amount of noise on on Wednesday night. And look, I mean Tennessee, I believe the line actually just came out before we press record. And uh, my buddy texted me and said Tennessee is two point favorites. I saw so, two, I saw two and a half. Uh, yeah. Yep. Two two and a half. And uh, Kim Palm predicts a seventy one sixty eight win for Tennessee. Uh, I believe gave Tennessee a sixty percent chance uh, of winning. Uh, the the metrics really like this Mississippi State basketball team. The the analytics and the efficiency numbers really like this Mississippi State team, and it's on the road, and and it's going to be a heck of a challenge for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and I know that you know you can look and say that that state opened league play with the loss to South Carolina, but I would also counter that as the time we hit record on this podcast, South Carolina is in Tuscaloosa and trailing by one at the half. So maybe South well, Carolina you must be behind, buddy. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did the gates open up a little bit there early in the second half?
0: Because they're, they're I've, I've got 13. I've got
1: it on Kentucky Mizzou right now, so okay. I just saw the score last. What's going on right now?
0: Bama's now up eleven. Okay. Uh, well, regardless,
1: so. it's not South Carolina might be a little bit better than it was. Lo-
0: South Carolina is better than they were last year. Yes, and it, it's I I told somebody this today. Uh, lo- losing to South Carolina in Columbia and Lamont paris second year. Is not what it was last year. The, no, the, it, this South Carolina team is not as not going to make the tournament. It's probably going to play on the first night of the SEC tournament. If sure. we're being completely honest, sure. but it, it has elevated its floor. Not going to be one of the teams, the league's better teams, but also not the the complete pushover that they were a season ago.
1: Yeah, and and State is has built an eleven and three record despite Tolu Smith you know who we all know is a very good player has only been back for a couple games coming back from injury and so you know they've got some big bodies some big size they are a very physical team Uh, they are according to you know Greg Polinsky Tennessee's assistant coach came out there we talked to him on Tuesday morning and he said flat out be the most physical team they've played so far now that's the kind of thing that coaches often say before they're playing somebody and when you default to anything like if you if you can't say regardless of the sport if you can't say something super nice about a team what coaches nine times out of ten default to saying oh they play really hard like that's kind of like the thing that you say about somebody but You know, numbers kind of back this up. State is 10th nationally uh, in Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. Just about, I think, in the 70s or near 80 in offensive efficiency. But again, as Ben said, yeah, metrics like this team. And, you know, when you look at those defensive numbers, when you look at those rebounding numbers, they tell you a story. And Rick Barnes and, and Polinsky and Rod Clark and Ganey and all those guys have been talking to their players about this, saying, listen, guys, you're going on the road. You're playing a very physical team in their backyard, and if you are not ready for a fight, you will not win this game.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I think the good news for Tennessee is that you have veterans, several veterans, that understand that. Josiah Jordan-James, Santiago vescovi uh, Zakai Ziegler, Jonas Adu, I would say even Tobey Awaka at this point A's for a smar- sophomore. He's smart. Yeah, he gets it. Though those guys get it, like the and those are the the main guys that you're kind of leaning on right now. You you'd like for Dalton Connect to become Dalton Connect again. He's kind of going through it right now as as he deals with the ankle and defense is adjusting to him. And and we can have a Dalton Connect conversation later. But I, it's I think like, I think
1: I think connecting Gany would be a good topic for the second segment. Actually,
0: absolutely, they would. Uh, but. Even with those guys, it's weird to think of it like this, but like Dalton's just been a guy lately. He he hasn't been the dude that he was the first ten games mm-hmm. or so. He's just been a guy, and it has not impacted Tennessee in the win loss column because Zakai Ziegler is. I obviously only cover Tennessee and keep up with the SEC pretty in depth because Tennessee plays in the SEC. It, it's hard for me to envision a point guard in the entire country playing better basketball than Zakai Ziegler right now. That 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 is not a, a stretch at all. Jonas Adu, we've talked about it several times, he has developed into one of the best post players in the country. His, his production of late, aside from the Norfolk State game, which was the first game after Christmas break, he was dealing with a strained calf. Aside from that game, Jonas has just been tremendous this season. I mean, he's he's truly been dominant on both ends of the floor. And uh, Jamai Mashak. Terrific against Ole Miss. Josiah Jordan James has been Tennessee's most consistent and most valuable player. Uh, I think to the naked eye. Boy, there
1: there are times Mayshak pushes him for that award, but
0: well, Jamai has had a game or two where he's done that. Mm-hmm. But Josiah has been the guy every game this season except the last two games in Maui, and those were the two games where, if you remember, there was a little bit of a freakout mode but i said hey and rick said it too Josiah not not the best not the best uh resume in terms of health throughout his career his medicals don't do him any favors and he was playing three games in 3 days and you could saw that he was kind of worn down there towards the end that's the only time that that Josiah has not played well this season is when he was having to do play three games in 3 days something that he's not going to be asked to do again this entire season unless Tennessee uh, I guess, plays in the SEC tournament championship game, because I would imagine Tennessee plays on Friday, get the double by, double buy, and then if they were to win twice and, and play in the SEC tournament, that's the only other time that he would do that. But uh, Evan Maya, uh, a, a metric system very similar to Ken Palm, mm-hmm. uh, he always puts out, I, I believe it's like most valuable player rankings, and Josiah is consistently in the top 20 to 25 in the entire country. Uh, so my point is, you, you've got all these guys that are playing really, really, really well right now, and it's allowing them to not have to rely on Dalton being a dude and making adjustments and, and kind of figuring out this thing on, on the fly. So uh, going back to the thing about Mississippi State and playing on the road, and they're, they're going to be ready for you. The good news is that if you're Tennessee, you have a you have several veterans who know exactly what to expect, and you're not having to pepper them with better be ready, better be ready. You're walking into a hornet's nest. You're walking into a boxing match. You, you better be ready. Those guys know, they they know what they're walking into and they're not at all going to be intimidated, uh, by, by playing a physical opponent. I mean, Greg Polinski, he, he was adamant. It, it wasn't just coach speak. He, he, he felt what he was saying and not saying that you were saying that he was nothing but coach speak, uh, it was obvious that he truly believes Mississippi State is a physical basketball team. And uh, he also said, uh, I asked him about what's different defensively this season, he said they're not as physical a- as they were a season ago with, with Urosh maybe setting the tone yeah. in there and there and going a little over the top at times. But and Kamal was a
1: physical defender too at times. W-
0: when on In the games that he decided to show up. Yes. yes, uh, he-, yes. He-, he was. Um, but Mississippi State is physical. Tennessee's physical as well, and they're not going to shy away from that. And, and it kind of starts with those core group of, of veterans who have who have been through it. Yeah, I'm interested,
1: tremendously interested to see how Adu handles this game because the reason why, like I'm obviously like I'm not I'm one thousand percent with you on Ziegler being one of the best point guards in college basketball. I don't know how anyone could argue otherwise. I mean, if you talk to any coach Tennessee has played about Zakai Ziegler, they all say the same thing. Like, he's a problem. He's one of the best point guards in the country. He's one of the best on-ball defenders in the country. I don't know. He's a hard guy to handle. The, the question I have with Adu is, you know, there's still a little bit of an issue at times when people go right through his chest. And State has some dudes who are capable of going right through his chest and scoring. And cuz you think about like Ziegler for instance, his the, the thing that you would worry about sometimes and you just look at it and you go, "Well, he's only 5 foot 9 and that's generous." So can people back him down? Can people kind of, you know, just kind of get over the top of him? But he has a way of bringing you down to his level to play and he keeps you away from the bucket when he's Uh, guarding you he's able to offset most of the time nearly all the time he's able to offset and sometimes even turn his size into a strength with adu he's been so much better at at understanding what he needs to do positionally where he needs to be where he needs to go where he needs to avoid spaces he's getting better at understanding how to play because he and awaka are totally different bodies who will play the game in different ways and there are times where you can still go right through Adu's chest. And people are going to start doing that because that's what the scouting report is going to say. It's going to say, you know what, he might block your shot, but try to go right through him. And he, if he can withstand that and figure out a way to keep negotiating that, then the sky really becomes the limit for him because his skill level and his touch and his ability on both ends of the floor, rim protection, the way he sees the floor offensively, all that comes into play.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's already surpassed that. Y- yes, it is on the scouting report, and it it's something that that teams are going to try to do as Alabama pushes their lead over South Carolina to 20 with 9 to play. Well, it was a
1: good first half anyway for the Gamecocks.
0: It, it, it was. It, it was a good first half. Also weird to see so many empty seats in Coleman Coliseum for, for what is one of the better basketball programs in the country the football season's over. It is odd. It is odd. Like they they had a problem in the non-conference schedule. Alabama fans not showing up for Nate Oates in in that basketball program. And football season, fair or not, you you knew that was the reason. They don't really have a reason anymore, so that's weird. But uh, I kind of feel like Jonas has gotten over that hump as he enters the hump of teams just kind of – bullying him yes it's still in the scouting report and uh that that can get the best of him time to time but we've seen him go up against the country's best post players for the most part and uh he's held his own for the most part it hasn't always been perfect uh, but it's been really good very very consistently uh throughout the course of of this season And, and i just simply think that his iq has reached a point to where Knowing where to be, yes, staying tall and allowing the length to take over defensively and and make up for what he may lack in strength. Uh, I, I think that's why you're seeing him stay out of foul trouble for the most part, and uh, why you're you're not seeing he he doesn't look like a traffic cone out there anymore. Te- teams aren't just running over him and and through him like they have in the past, and, and I think it's because, like you just said, he he's seeing the court really well. And and he's really progressed from an IQ standpoint. And when you pair that with just incredible length and incredible athleticism, uh he he's become a, a tough defender and one of the best rim protectors in the league. But th- there's no doubt that Tolu Smith is is gonna go try to go right through uh Jonas Adu. Uh, they they have some other bigger bodies as well, at least in, in thickness. Uh Cameron Matthews plays the four. Uh he's six, seven, 230. DJ Jeffries, the former Memphis transfer who's been at Mississippi State now for, I guess, three years. Yep, uh, he, He's 6'7". A little more wiry than Matthews. Matthews is 230 at 6'7". Jeffries is 215 at uh, at 6'7". And, and then Jimmy Bell, uh, 6'10", 280. Tolu Smith, uh, 6'11", 245. I mean, 6'10", 280. I, I don't know if you caught any of, of Patrick and I's bowl podcasts. I, I kind of called mm-hmm. the... The Iowa quarterback a cheese it based yeah. off of of his stature. He's a chunk. Uh, he's a chunk. He, he's a chunk. You know he has that big Ben weight, but Big Ben's six six and old Deacon Hill six three, kind of shaped like a like a cheese it. Yeah, Jimmy Bell,
1: especially after Thanksgiving, old Deacon got a little started getting a little larger too. I think he had a big old Thanksgiving, big old holiday feast. He came back. He he kept coming back from holidays a little bit thicker.
0: Jimmy Bell is 6'10", 280. So I, I'm very interested to see what what that body. Looks like might might look like a burrito. Push the tempo.
1: Or, or, push the tempo. Push the tempo.
0: Yeah, push the tempo. And granted, uh, he, he's probably not going to play as much as he has to to this point in the year because Tolu Smith is is getting back in in the flow of things. Uh, but he'll he'll certainly be out there. Jimmy Bell will, and uh, Tennessee's going to need Jonas's length. Uh, I, this is a a different matchup in the post than than the Ole Miss game. Uh, Ole Miss had a ton of length inside mm-hmm. yep. uh, the sharp kid from Western Kentucky who is the tallest player in D one. At seven foot five, allegedly, and and, and then you had the uh, Musa Sise, who's been all over the world, uh, Memphis and Oklahoma State, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's seven foot on the dot, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So you you had a lot of length in in that game. This game, you've you've got a lot of meat on the bones, and 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 you've got a lot of girth to 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 deal with. Uh, so I I look at this matchup, and I, I don't see how anybody cannot look at this matchup and think of Tobey Awaka. Uh, last game against Ole Miss with that length. They needed Jonas to to have a big day and and be able to handle that length well. And and look, they still need Jonas to have a big day, and they need his length uh, to impact these smaller, wider Mississippi State players. But again, going back to that physicality, this is a basketball game that if the referees don't get too whistle-happy, there's going to be a lot of banging inside in the post, uh, a, a lot of... Uh, almost offensive line, defensive line play, trenches play in this basketball game. And, and you look at Tobey Awaka, and, and that's kind of the nature of his game. So obviously they need Jonas to have a big night and uh, have his length be an issue for Mississippi State. But they, they really need Tobey's strength in this one, I think, just based off of, of the makeup of that Mississippi State post play.
1: Yeah, and before we go to break, I'll just say that as much as I absolutely love Awaka's upside as a player, and I love the way – how hard he plays the game, he's so smart, he works his tail off. Games where you know you're going to need Tobey Waka, I think sometimes can make you a little nervous because you can never really trust that he can stay out there long enough to do that because he has a ridiculously hard time still playing without fouling. And as he gets older and becomes even more important to this team, he has got to understand that he's not like the eighth or ninth guy anymore where he can go out there and pick up five fouls in 10 minutes and that's fine. He's got to find a way to impose himself physically the way he does without committing some of the fouls that he doesn't need to commit. Like there's times where, okay, you got you to gotta foul the guy, right? And there's times where you're going for a rebound, things happen and you get called for a foul. There's still times where you watch them play and you go, "Did he have to do that? Did he have to do that?" And and oftentimes it's no, he didn't need to do that. So, yeah, that 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 makes me at least if I'm them, and I imagine they probably think this way too to some level, makes you a little bit nervous because you know when you need him, he he's got to not foul.
0: He he's going through what Jonas went through last year. What I just got done talking about, and he, he's. You you can see the the IQ and not that he's dumb because he's very very smart. Maybe one of the smartest it, it, guys on the team, if not the smartest. He he overthinks everything. Yep. He's too smart for his own good, and uh, the the overthinking ties up the feet. The mind ties up the feet, and and that gets him in trouble. And I feel like that's kind of what Jonas had to deal with early in his career as well. Maybe not to the extent that Tobey is, um, but I, I think you're going to see a very similar jump once it clicks. For Tobey, like it clicked for Jonas, I, I think going in and hopefully for Tennessee, you'll you'll see that uh, flip switch towards the end of this season to to where he's not uh, just committing fouls at an outrageous rate because you you're going to need Tobey if you want to make a final four run, you, you need his rebounding to to essentially be consistently on the floor. Uh, but I, I especially think when, when you look at next year, I, I think by the time by this time next year, I think the, the, the light has come on for Tobey the way it has for Jonas.
1: I think so too. And excuse me there. I got a little bit of a cold thing I'm dealing with here because as Ben knows too, anytime you have a kid at daycare, you're sick like you're some level of sick all the time. So apologies for uh for, for clearing some mucus there. I'll try to mute that out. But regardless, that, that's that's the point. Like that's Tobey's going through that. And when he gets through that I think you saw a Team USA this summer. I think you've seen in stretches at Tennessee this year. You've seen what the big picture is there. And it also, on some level, makes you excited about guys like, you know, J.P. Estrella and Cade Phillips that you know how much they could improve from where they are now, which is a pretty decent starting spot how much better they could get the next couple of years, assuming they stay around and all that. So yeah, there's there's a lot to to like there. They don't have a ton of options in the front court, but the ones they have, I think they're think they're pretty solid. But we need to talk about some of those guards, Ben. We need to talk about what's going on with Dalton Connect, what's going on with Jordan Ganey. I think that's a fascinating conversation. I think that's a uh, one that requires nuance, and uh, we will get to all that. But before we do that, we're slightly a few minutes overdue for a break here. So let's step away, pay some bills, listen to product services, in house ads, etc., and then come right back here on the GoVols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad money. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 Podcast brought to you by Whatever product, Services, and In-house ads. You just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Ben McKee coming to you from his unnamed home studio. And I'm gonna we're gonna have to give it a name. At some point, one of these one of these homes, one of these studios, we're gonna have to give him a name. I don't think it's an official studio unless it has a name. And I'll just I'll name it myself if he won't do it. That's just that's just how we're gonna roll. We're here talking Tennessee basketball. Obviously, Tennessee did get a football transfer commitment today, and we're gonna talk about that later in the week. Obviously, Jalen McMurray, the corner from Temple. There's a lot to discuss there. Big position of need for Tennessee. That got filled. But we are talking about the number five Vols basketball team on this episode. And we're gonna get right back to that after a quick request from RN to please go in there, rate, review. And subscribe to this podcast if you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com. There is nothing wrong with that. There is no wrong way to consume this podcast. It does help us out more, though, if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very twenty 247 podcast. We do this for free, and we are happy to do it for free. Uh, there are no complaints. It's a labor of love. Since we're doing it for free, though, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell everybody that you know, tell everybody that you want to know, tell them on the socials, put the links out there on your Facebook, uh, on your, your Twitter slash X, uh, your Instagrams, whatever the kids are doing these days, do a TikTok dance about it. I don't know. I've never done one of those. Maybe you people do that stuff. Go do that stuff. Tell everybody about this. That's how we've grown this thing steadily the way that we have grown it since we started doing it a few years ago. So if you're doing all that stuff already, Thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, let's get back into it. Let's talk about these transfers. Let's talk about Dalton Connect. Let's talk about Jordan Ganey. Neither one has played that well uh, relative to the way they can play since that day, that night in the Dean Dome when they both injured their ankles. What? Before we get into like the nuts and bolts of it, broad strokes here, what's your feeling on those two guys right now and what they're going through?
0: I, I just think they're going through an adjustment period, especially Dalton. I'm I'm a little bit worried but but not freaking out or, or pressing the panic button or, or anything along those lines. Uh, I do think the ankle has been bothering him. Maybe not the last game or two following Christmas break, uh, but kind of in that stretch leading up to Ole Miss, I, I do believe that that the ankle was giving him issues. And I think he's become, which is weird to say, but as creative as he is, I think he's become very predictable. I, I think teams uh, are really scouring through the, the tape and, and seeing what his go-to moves are. And I, I think that they are defending it really well. And and I think that he's got to make adjustments to that. And and I think that he will. He's he's too talented of of a player to, to not do so. I, I like what I'm seeing on the defensive end. I just think it's on the offensive end where, where he's got to make some tweaks. And and when I say he I like where he's at on the defensive end, I, I'm not saying he's Jamai Mashack or zakai or or santi or or somebody like that on the defensive side of the basketball but i i think he's doing some nice things on 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 that end relative to expectations and uh, i i like to see that even though he's struggling on the offensive end he he's just not mailing it in on the other end I, i i think that would be a huge issue and it seems simple it seems like no duh of course, if, if you're an athlete, you need to do that. But I, I don't think people do it as nearly much as you, you think. I think basketball players can easily get caught up in, in the point production. But I, I think he's going to be fine. I, I just think he's going through an adjustment period. Uh, as I said earlier, the good news for Tennessee is that they have several players who can carry the load until mm-hmm. he does get it figured out. And I, I would be very, very, very surprised if if the light doesn't come back on by the end of January. And uh, if, if it takes that long, then so be it. I, I think as long as mid-SEC play, early weeks of, of February, as long as it's coming on at the latest sometime around then as you start to head into the tournament mode, I, I think you're fine. I, I'm not pressing the panic button yet. He, he's going to get it figured out. It's, it's just a matter of when.
1: Yeah, I think – The ankle certainly affected things. There's no way around that, even if it wasn't quite as severe as they worried or everyone worried it might have been when it happened. He was able to come back from that, even if he he wasn't 100%. I think there's part of this where it is the ankle, or has been. I think there is part of it, as you mentioned. I do think that it's – teams are – understanding how to play him more they're understanding how to chase him off the line they're understanding where to pressure him they're sending bodies at him uh they're still he's still way up there on the depth chart or for or on the scouting chart for for opponents because you can tell the way they pressure and people are terrified if they stop doing that he's going to go back to scoring 20 plus a game if if they, if they you know don't but don't start don't stop doing that but but he's the way that he He's on response to ball pressure sometimes, leaves a bit to be desired. That That's part of it, too. They understand what he's wanting to do. That's part of it. I also think there's part of it, and and I, you'll have to forgive me here for, for, for taking some guesses here. I do not know exactly how Dalton Connect was coached at Northern Colorado. I don't know exactly how he was coached at JUCO or at the high school level, but I have a hunch that he has never been coached in his life as hard as he's been coached this year at Tennessee and you have to adjust to that the the guys who uh, you know occasionally you see as a Kai Ziegler or a Chandler somebody who their first year with Barnes they can just kind of handle it other guys it kind of takes some time to adjust to just how much pressure is on you all day every day when you're on the court and I think part of that it would not surprise me if part of that's getting to him. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not criticizing Barnes. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just saying I think it's a risk that you take when you try to, in some ways, break down a player to build him up. You got to get through that point because the the upside of doing it is tremendous. Cause if you've built an unbreakable guy, then that's a good thing. I just think a few things have come together. And I think Connects just kind of in a little bit of a rut. Now, he's still at 21 against Illinois. He's still at 15 against Norfolk State. He's still going to get some buckets, right? He is a bucket. But I just think three or four different things have kind of come at him at the same time, and I think he's taking some time to work through it. Now, any day he could get through it, that'd be great. Tennessee, the sooner the better, right? But as long as he's where he needs to be a few weeks before the start of the postseason, then Tennessee can still – go do some things because he is still been the X factor. He is the guy. Now Zakai Ziegler being back, big deal. Very big deal. Adu making the progress he's made, big deal. Same for Awaka, same for a lot of these guys. But Connect is the dude who when he is really really on offensively, he makes Tennessee scary. When he's doing what he can do, on top of all the other guys? Because we know with Tennessee, right, Ben, we know the foundation is there. But when you have Connect sprinkling that stuff on top of it, that's when they take it to another
0: level. And that that is – it kind of baffles my mind to think about what Don Connect – like Don Connect has not popped off like he did early in the season while Zakai was playing point guard the yeah. way that he is playing. And, and while – Santi has, has settled into to his role with this roster. And uh, Jonas has played well throughout the season, but they, they all haven't clicked at the same time. Yep. Jamai figuring out his role. Josiah's been the one consistent, as we talked about earlier. Uh, and then probably Jonas would be number two. Uh, but Jamai and, and Santi, I, I think, are really starting to figure out their role within this roster construct. Uh, and then Zakai. He's arguably the best point guard in the entire country right now, and uh, Dalton has has not had a vintage Dalton Connect game with all that happening. And, and it's just without Dalton having a vintage Dalton game, they just beat. And yeah, Ole Miss is a little bit overrated, maybe a little more than a little bit overrated. Uh, I'm they, not. They I'm not
1: convinced. I still think they're solid. I do.
0: They were not the number 22 in the country. Are not the number 22 team in the country. So, sure, that that plays into it, but Tennessee did just beat a top 25 team and start SEC play by 26 points w- without Dalton popping off. So, it, it baffles my mind, what could this Tennessee team look like? I mean, it, it looks great right now. Yeah. The defensive efficiency is number two in the country right now, according to Kim Pom. And you look at the offensive efficiency, after all that freaking out after Maui, I said, give it some time. It's, it's going to come down. And right now, the offensive efficiency is at 23. Offensive efficiency at 23 paired with the number two defense in the country. And Don't Connect really hasn't even been Don't Connect of late. I mean, that that is truly, truly a scary thought. And uh, hard not to think if, if those pieces can click the way that they are capable of clicking. And I would say most likely are going to click together at some point when it matters most hard not to view this team as a title contender
1: yeah and I, and I think part of it is that's why I say I, I don't mind the fact that you know connect came to Tennessee to be coached hard he came to Tennessee to become a better defender to become a tougher guy to play on a bigger stage and he's getting what he signed up for you know he he's getting it and he but if you noticed in that old Miss game the way that he he made a couple of stops defensively, some of those rebounds he grabbed in traffic, he's starting to, in spurts, do those things that he came to Tennessee to improve and work on. But on top of that, he also just needs to, at times, just go off. Because you think about the stuff you got to do to make runs in the postseason, he needs to be the best version of himself. So he needs to do whatever he needs to do and they need to facilitate this as well to get him where he needs to go, because he is the guy who makes them terrifying.
0: I think. And with game, he, B- he's a guy that it, that if you're an opponent, you do not want to see Don connect in March.
1: No, because there every time he steps on the floor, you're going to have to send bodies at him. You're going to have to give him a lot of attention, because if you don't, he's going to score twenty. Period. He might anyway, but if you don't give him, if you just treat him like another dude, he's going to score twenty.
0: Absolutely. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a scary thought. And I do think Jordan Ganey, uh, a different situation. Uh, Jordan Ganey just does not don't connect. I, I don't feel like I'm criticizing with, with that comment or I, I think it's just stating the obvious. I, I think Jordan Ganey is a, a very good basketball player. I, I think he's better than he has performed the, the last couple of weeks. And I feel like he's going through an adjustment period as well. Uh, he, he's, he's, and Dalton is too. They're, they're playing better athletes for the first time in their college career, aside from some by games here and there, uh, that they are, they're seeing the same type of athlete game in and game out from this point on. And, uh, I I think there's a little bit of an adjustment that, that comes with that. And it's not like Tennessee just played some regular old non-conference schedule. Like they, they've been going up against some, some pretty elite athletes, the entire non-con and, uh, even the by games, Tarleton State, Norfolk State, uh, they played hard. George George Mason, NC State, Wofford, like those are good basketball programs, and um, I I think Jordan Ganey is is adjusting to what he is consistently facing night in and night out, adjusting to to this level and and he's also in in a little bit of a rut right now. But Greg Polinski talked about it on Tuesday morning that they, they don't at all believe that that Ganey is as poor of a shooter as he has demonstrated of late. They believe he's in a bit of a shooting slump based off of how good of a shooter they think that he is. And I agree with that. I mean, just watch his stroke. I mean, it, it is a yeah. pretty shot. It, it it looks natural. It looks good. It looks like the ball is supposed to go in every time. I, I think the biggest adjustment for Jordan is just playing in this system and and, and not that Rick's, messing him up or the system isn't good or, or something along those lines. It's just he went from being a, a primary scorer at USC upstate where he could pretty much take any shot that he wanted and, and probably played a lot of isolation basketball, yeah. one on one, space the floor, create a shot. And that that's just not what Tennessee's identity is on offense. It's not space out and it, it was at Wisconsin in the second half when when Dalton Connect was on a heater and they just gave the basketball to Dalton and said everybody get the heck out of the way, but the, they're they're not doing that. Uh, I've I've seen the the constant thing that I see Rick get onto Jordan about is is taking bad shots, and I think the difference in maybe what he was allowed to do at USC Upstate because he was the guy, he was the scorer. He's no longer the guy, the scorer at Tennessee. He, he's one of many puzzle pieces, and, and you see him take different shots. If you, if you pay attention, you, Jordan Ganey takes different shots than his teammates. And, and again, I, I don't think he's being selfish or anything along those lines. I just think he's adjusting to what is a good shot in this system, what shots does Rick want him to take, because it they are different shots than, than what he, I assume, was used to at USC Upstate, so I, I think he's going through a little bit of a, a mental battle in in terms of really understanding what what kind of shots to to take, and and I think once he settles in, and not that this is the only thing that he can do, but go stand in the corner, go stand on the wing, and wait for the ball to come your way. Zakai is going to penetrate.
1: Jawan Smith scored a hell of a lot of points doing that.
0: Yes, 1,000%. And, look, I, I do think Ganey is more than than just a stand-up shooter, uh, but that is what he does best. And, and in this offense, that's what Tennessee needs him to do is knock down open shots from the perimeter. And, and yeah, if, if Zakai gets banged up and has to miss some time or uh, if – and there's minutes in the game. Zakai can't play 40 minutes every single night coming off of a, a torn ACL. Uh, Ganey is is the best backup point guard option on the team, in my opinion. I, I do think he is a, right a better – yeah distributor than than people give him credit for I, I think he's very creative I think he's a good passer I, I think he generates offense I, I just think he needs to settle in with his shot selection and not that it's atrocious not not that he's Dylan Brooks on the Grizzlies taking 20 shots 20 outrageous shots a game and, and making two of them I, I just think there there's a couple of tweaks here and there that he could make and, and he's going to be just fine and, and knock down some big shots down the stretch it's just a matter of, of finding that rhythm and Lesser degree, different degree. I just think he's going through an adjustment period right now like Dalton is.
1: You know, this will sound like I'm trying to be a devil's advocate, and I'm not because I actually believe this. What I like about Jordan Gainey, what I like the most about Jordan Gainey, even though he's in a rut a little bit, even though sometimes coaches, especially Barnes, have been honored about taking some bad shots, by God, he's going to take his shots. I love that. I love it if it's
0: bad shots. Well, no, no,
1: no, no, no. no. But I mean like that sort of mentality because if I can have only two choices and one of them is a guy who if he misses a couple shots, he won't shoot again for two weeks or the other one is a guy who's going to keep taking his shot, taking confident shots, I'd rather have the guy who keeps taking shots because you can at least rebound those and you're helping the team. What I like is that that shows me that he is going to get it right at some point because his mentality... Like, he needs to change the way he's taking some of these shots. And I'm not saying, dude, go out there and Leroy Jenkins half-court at every – I'm not saying go out there and be Steph Curry. I'm just saying, <clears throat> excuse me, I really like that he doesn't lose his confidence. I really Because if you're a scorer and you lose your confidence, you're done.
0: Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about that. He, he has a ton of confidence. And, and that was something that this offense needed as well. And, and he and Dalton have – have provided that provided much needed confidence. And and what you're saying is, is absolutely a great thing for a, for an offensive basketball player to have. I mean, that was one of the first things Rick talked about in, in his postgame press conference after the Ole Miss win. And he said it multiple times throughout his press conference that the thing that he loved most in that Ole Miss win is that they started one for 12. They missed some early shots. And – Santi did not go into a shell. Zakai, who started 0 for 4, did not go into a shell. Went on to finish 4 for 7 from 3. Uh, Josiah, not that I really recall him missing a ton of shots early, but he didn't go into a shell. And and there's been times throughout their career where, uh, because they're so unselfish, they're not doing it intentionally. It's just that they're they're so team-first type of players that they don't want to hurt their team by continuing to shoot the basketball when in reality they're the they're the team's best offensive options and the team needs them to continue to shoot. So that that is absolutely a thing that is needed and a great thing, but if you're doing it with bad shots, then that's not a good thing. And Jordan's not going out there just lighting up the backboard with, with awful shots. It's just like one or two here he's, and there. He's the, used to playing the, a certain kind of way. Correct. It's the dribble, 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 nothing there. I'm going to go create something on my own, contested, fading away, mid-range jumper from the elbow. Those are the shots that they nobody else takes in, in this offense. Jonas takes elbow jumpers, but it's wide open off of a pick and roll or off of a swing, swing. It's not nothing's there. I'm going to dribble, 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 try to create something, and, and then just kind of – force a shot up he's kind of in my opinion to the naked eye really the only one doing that and uh, again I just think he's going through that adjustment period of of yeah he's been here for several months and, and his dad may be an assistant coach but they still a learning curve and I think once it clicks for him I, I think he's going to be a really really key role player or Tennessee if, if they're going to make a run down the stretch. Yeah,
1: and he was the one who got it started against Ole Miss too. He was one who who hit a big three there when they were struggling to kind of get things going. He's the one who hit the three that really kind of opened up the offense a little bit and gave a shot of confidence to everybody. And if that's his role, hey, that's a good thing, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Last thing I wanted to mention, Ben, before we get out of here, I mentioned it a little bit in the first segment, um, but I think some flowers are due Jamai Meshack's way for the way he's been playing basketball lately. And I just think, and especially in this era, and and I've mentioned this a few times, in an era where so many guys want to go look out for themselves, understandably so, their futures, their financial futures, they want to get more minutes, they want to go have a bigger role somewhere, they want to go do something else. It's never been easier to go do something else. Jemai Meshack has kept his role at Tennessee, understood his role, embraced his role, And everybody on that team is better because of it. And the way that he defends is outrageously good. And now that he's going to have that confidence to take the ball and go score sometimes and hit those open shots, man, what he did in the end of the first half, both ends of the floor in that game against Ole Miss, fantastic. That's maybe a different game if that if that stuff doesn't happen. Maybe Tennessee starts to pucker up a little bit in the second half. Maybe you know that that really sort of gave them a shot in the arm. And there were times in the in the game before that, too, where there were a couple-minute stretches where, where he just did everything on both ends of the floor. And he he's a guy who I just think he's a guy to be celebrated in an era where it's just hard to find guys with his talent who will take the role that he's taken and embrace it. And I think it's awesome. I think it's it's a culture thing for his family. It's a culture thing for the Tennessee program. It's a perfect fit
0: one thousand percent I, I I love Jamai Mesh I yeah. I just do he's a great he's I, a great uh, kid he really is one thousand percent and and I don't understand how anybody could could not want to watch Jamai meshek succeed and and I, I I do think I say that with the the knowledge that Tennessee fans absolutely appreciate Jamai Meshek I I don't say that to indicate they're that starting Tennessee to fans get it
1: they're starting to get it a lot more or we're starting to get it I think
0: but I, I think there's always been an appreciation for Jamai because he is that hard nosed style of, of player, and and those guys, the the Jawan Jennings and the the Derek Barnett's, the Drew Gilbert's, the Zakai Ziegler's, Lamonte Turner, like like those guys, those type of players, they tend to be the fan favorites because not that they can shoot the lights out of the basketball or catch touchdowns Uh, obviously that plays a role but what people love most about those type of players is the mentality and the the blue collar approach bring your your lunchbox and and hard hat to to work every single day we're ready for a a good day's honest work like those are the the, the players that fans fall in love with and I think Jamai Meshack has always demonstrated those characteristics and uh, fans have always had an appreciation for him but now the the skill is catching up to the grittiness and the mindset and, and, and it's really fun to watch and you know I I talked about this with, with Jalen McCullough uh, at, at the bowl site Yes, he has he had his poor moments as a football player in the SEC over the course of his career, but and he lacked athleticism, and that bit him in the butt at, at times. But how, how can you as a fan, even if there were some frustrating moments on the field, how can you not love a guy like that who just lays it all out on the line for his teammates, his family, and his school? Playing for the University of Tennessee football team is the greatest thing that Jalen McCullough has ever done in the eyes of Jalen McCullough. And that is why I think a lot of us love college athletics because that is the college athletics that we grew up on. That is what separates college from the pros and the passion and the pageantry and, and playing for your your brother, your teammate, your sister next to you and and, and playing for the, the name on the back of your jersey, playing for the name on the front of your jersey. Uh, that That is where college athletics stems from and the passion and, and the love that we have for it and uh as as the sport and world is is changing we're we're getting further and further away from that and, and so how can you how can you not appreciate Jalen McCullough even more for for representing that in what college athletics has become and I think Jemima Meshack is the the same exact thing I, I think the skill is finally catching up like I said but uh his, his attitude is just just top notch. I, I hope I can raise my my sons, quite frankly, to, to have that same mindset when they get of that age to where they don't think about themselves. First and foremost, they they think about their friends and, and the brothers and, and the teammates and, and the team first and, and foremost. And uh, I, I thought it was really cool. Rick's comments that, that you alluded to, Wes, uh, you asked Rick the question uh, about why or, or what makes Jamai so special and, and how difficult it is. To, to get guys like Jemai to sit and stay and perfect their role instead of seeking more, which is so easy to do in today's society. Yeah, he could go lots of places athletics.
1: and score 12, 13, 14 points a game. He 1, could thousand do that. Percent.
0: It'd be in the starting five, play a guaranteed 30, 35 minutes a game, and, and take 15 shots a night. Jemai yeah. could absolutely do that. But uh, I, I thought it was really cool how Rick didn't really talk about Jemiah. Uh He, he mentioned Jemai, obviously, and said yeah. it's a credit to him, but he immediately credited the family. Jemai's parents and talked about how they they wanted his, him to be his in grandmother and everybody all of them where, yeah had to earn what was given to him that they didn't want anything given to him that they just wanted Jemai uh, to be put in a in a setting where Jemai was was gonna get a fair grow, ch- get a fair chance all, yeah get a fair chance grow on and off the court so on and and so forth I I thought that was that was really really cool and uh, it it was also here to cool Jemai talk as well Th- those videos. Uh, from after the Ole Miss game, are up on our, our YouTube page at Go Balls Twenty Four Seven. So I encourage you to go check those out. But it was also cool to hear Jemai talk about. Uh, he he understands the essence of Jemai Meshack, and he understands who he is, and uh, he 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 understands how valuable he is, and and that that to him is what has allowed him to to have the confidence to to perfect his role. So uh, Jemai Meshack, man, how how can you not root for that guy? I know this team and and this program through the years has. Had guy after guy after guy of how could you not root for him? They they, they just littered with yeah. uh, great people, great players, and uh, Jemai Meshak is is the next one in a long line of those type of players.
1: Yeah, because one thing I, I basically I didn't word it exactly like this, but I said you could go somewhere else and be a star, but you chose to stay here and do this. And he was like, "Well, I can be a star in my role here." He said, "I can do exactly what I'm doing now, and in my mind, uh, I can be a star in that role. I can be better at that than anybody else."
0: And I think he said, I am a star in my role.
1: Yeah. Um, I think he did, actually. I think you're right. Yeah. That's basically what he said. And he dropped a third-person reference, which is always fantastic. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, you're so unselfish. We'll allow it. There's different rules for you, young fella. Uh, But, yeah, he's just – you can't – no matter what sport you're playing, you cannot be a great team if you don't have guys like that or guys like Josiah Jordan-James, guys like Santiago Vescovi, guys who can have different kinds of roles – and and thrive in them and embrace them and accept them and just want to win. And a lot of guys on this team have put the program ahead of themselves, and we'll see where that can take you. The foundation is there for that to take you to a special place, and we'll see. But, of course, Ben, it's the SEC. There will be trips along the way. Ten- Tennessee will – uh, is not going to go 18 and 0 in conference play. We all know that. They're going to take some L's. Uh maybe even uh, the odd ugly L that here or there. It's going to happen. It, w- one of these games this week could go that way. I mean, that's just the way that conference play is, but uh, I think Tennessee's in a fun place and I think it's a it's a fun it's 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 a fun bunch to watch right now and we'll we'll see where this thing goes. This is a you know, knock on wood, you know, do all those things that you do, but could be a really good basketball team.
0: Absolutely it'll be a fun week. I appreciate you my
1: friend. and uh, I will see you I guess um, you know probably in a couple days but we'll probably text in five minutes. but regardless, thanks for being here Ben.
0: Thank you, Wesley.
1: There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoVs 24/7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash GoValls247. You can also go to facebook.com slash GoValls247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting. Basketball. Basketball recruiting. Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that. At govals247.com, you've also got access there to two forums that run round the clock. Got the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and and no one has a more uh, active board with the the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month that is all that it costs and that's after a quick free trial and once you pay us that reasonable rate which is again less than one mediocre lunch per month you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS Paramount Viacom etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free you get new movies you get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That, that is so much stuff, so much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to dot 247com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be
0: good. See you guys.